Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Get rid of your credit card debt, get a lower monthly payment, and skip your next two house payments at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to save thousands with savewithconrad.com. Find out how much money you can save right now at savewithconrad.com. Words are about to be spoken here on the extreme life of Matt Hardy presented to you by the ad-free shows and podcast heat networks. I, of course, am John Alvin joined as I am every single week by Mr. Matt Hardy, who is in Chicago right now ahead of AEW's all out pay-per-view, which is something that we will be talking about. We'll be talking about all in, of course, but Matt Hardy, this week's episode is going to be a tribute to your fallen friend who we lost last week. The immortal and iconic Bray Wyatt. How are you, my friend? I'm uh, I'm doing okay. Um, you know, obviously it was a very very sad week. Uh, Bray and I worked together for almost a year, so we obviously grew very close in that time, and I and I got to know him, got to know him very well, and uh, have lots and lots and lots of love for him. The wrestling world has been pouring out from everywhere, offering condolences and sharing their thoughts on Bray Wyatt. And a lot of people in the industry got to work with Bray pretty closely, but not many people can say they got to team with Bray Wyatt and really get to know them on that level. And Matt Hardy is one of the few who said, who can say that they were able to do that. And I'm excited to talk about your run with Bray a little more here. We've done it twice already on this podcast, but more importantly, to remember the man that was Wyndham Rotunda. Uh, you're in Chicago right now, though, Matt, before we get into all of the Bray stuff, this is in the aftermath of, all things considered, one of the biggest weekends in a long time in pro wrestling, AEW All In. You were not there, but you were home watching the full event. What do you think? Uh, very proud of AEW. Very proud of how the group has worked so hard in less than five years, technically, since their TV started. You know, a little over five years altogether. But uh, in less than five years, they went to the UK and they legitimately drew over 81,000 people. That's a, a remarkable uh, accomplishment. I mean, it's, it's so – if you took – if someone said to you when AEW first started – and everybody was saying, like, oh, it's a T-shirt company. It's a T-shirt company. And you said, you know what? Five years from now, these people are going to run a show in Wembley. And they're going to have over 90,000 people in the building. They're going to have a legitimate 81,000 plus and change paying customers that evening. People would have thought you were insane. Insane. And the fact that 
AEW made that a reality just speaks volumes about how strong the brand has grown in just five years. It, it's what an accomplishment. Amazing. And I'm, I'm very happy to be part of the team that, you know, helped build AEW up to this point. Not bad for an indie show on steroids, huh? Not bad for an indie show on steroids. Who said that? <laughs> My other best buddy, Eric Bischoff. Uh, Easy E. Okay. Well, you know, me and Easy E were undefeated as a tag you team. You are. So He's another one I, of your tag teams. I'm not, not going to dispute that. You know, Easy E's take is Easy E's take. Technically, you have the best winning record with Eric Bischoff than you do of any tag team partner you've ever had. That's correct. I do. Yeah. We're, we're 100%. And that's never going to change. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you never know. It could. You never know. The wrestling's a, a crazy industry, my friend. Um, but yeah, what an amazing accomplishment. The show looked fantastic. You know, the word we used last week was grandiose and the styling yeah. of it, the presentation. A rare opportunity for you to get a chance to watch a full wrestling show at home and see it start to finish. Did anything in particular stand out from the show for you? Yeah, I mean, you you are right. I, it's been years since I've sat down and watched. I was interrupted, obviously. I have the gaggle, you know, so those four kids were obviously – I was uh, taking care of them and dealing with them throughout the day. But I, I watched it all pretty, pretty, pretty closely. Uh, I want to say first and foremost, I, I love the Will Ospreay-Jericho match. And I text Chris afterwards, like, Chris just went out there and killed it. Like, he ha- – like, when they say you have your working shoes on, I mean, he had his working shoes on. And I know there were a lot of people that were skeptical about that match and thought Will should have had someone else that was young could do more. And I was like, no, this match with Jericho – I told you – that I, th- I thought it was going to be great out, out of the gate and will getting that win over jericho and whatnot i i, I that was one of my favorite matches of the whole night yeah. i enjoyed the young, young bucks and ftr anytime those guys get together they kick ass and uh, i'm a, obviously a huge fan of tag team wrestling so i was very proud of them going out and doing that uh i thought the opener was real good it was a lot of fun the crowd was there uh i, I like the i like the jungle boy hook match those are two young guys that i've worked with a lot and in, in trying to help build them and whatnot so i was very proud of them to get that opportunity to go out there and do that and have some fun in the match too especially do stuff like on the limo and and uh and use the limo as a weapon and whatnot uh i dug the fact that the six-man tag uh that happened with uh Takeshita, uh I, I liked that match and the fact that the finish was Takeshita pinned kenny omega i thought that was great that was a big deal that, you that throw deal out the was- term equity all the time on this yeah. podcast yeah. how about pinning kenny omega at wembley stadium yeah, it, it, that, that, that was a great move and a great win for Takeshita, and I'm so happy that he's having a singles now at All Out with Kenny Omega. So that that, that was great. Uh, the MJF-Adam Cole match was phenomenal. I love the fact that they did amazing wrestling. They told an amazing story. They had some gaga in it where there was entertainment value, where it wasn't just like a spot fest all the way through. I, I, I really enjoyed that, and my hat's off to both those guys. MJF right now is killing it as champion. He is doing an amazing job of, of representing AEW as the World Heavyweight Champion. But the Gaga in that match, Matt, was so much more than just crazy, wild things happening. Oh, 100%. I mean, it, it, it fit into the story they were telling, without a doubt. But I, I do think that's a key element that that is beneficial in wrestling. That sometimes AEW as the brand, I feel like sometimes it overlooks those elements. But like, I, I love the fact that it was that they put it into that match and they used it perfectly. They, they put it in and it was the total perfect circumstances to utilize it. Well, what do we always talk about? We say when you reward the fans for paying attention, there's nothing better in wrestling. And all of those little story beats that they hit in that match 
rewarded the fans for watching Dynamite week in and week out with the little vignettes that we saw leading into the Aussie Open tag team match and then right. eventually into the main event. And what I, I, I thought the main event was remarkable. I thought it was one of the most unique main events that I've ever seen. And it was stellar. It was stellar. John. What I love so much about it is we saw real-time character progression from both guys, but especially MJF. Yeah. In, in like in real time throughout the match. I, I love that they're presenting as friends and then they're, they each have moments where they remind you at their hearts, they're kind of scumbags, but then they're also in it together and genuinely do care about each other. But then when the match is over and Adam Cole feels like he's lost everything, Max is trying to appeal to him. Hey man, you did make me a better man and we're still tag team champions and remember, let's go out there. I just I, I just happen to be the better man here. Let's go out there and remind the world what we're capable of doing. And Adam Cole shoves the belt aside. And MJF, who the whole story arc here is he's vulnerable for the first time. This is the first time he's ever let his truest self be open and public with people. He feels like his vulnerability has been taken advantage of, which has been his biggest fear the entire time. So he loses his mind. He says, whatever, just get it over. Strike me. Strike me down. Prove to me that you are exactly who I thought that you were and you were after what I thought you were after. Only for Adam Cole to reinforce to him, it is okay to be vulnerable. There are good people in this world. And I think that's such an amazing story to tell. Isn't that different? I'm sorry there's a long diatribe on your podcast, but isn't that amazing that wrestling has changed so much where back in the day, if you were a baby face, you had to be perfect. You had to be Hulk Hogan. You had to be John Cena. You couldn't have any personality imperfections. But now vulnerability is something that we find endearing in our baby faces. I mean, 100%. I mean, I, I think that's a great quality. And I think MJF is playing it perfectly. You know, he's really walking the line and, and playing it perfectly where, where it seems real. To a degree. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't seem forced. It doesn't seem fake or phony. And uh, another story that I think doesn't get talked about enough uh, is the anxious, you know, millennial cowboy. You know, I was just going to bring that up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it it's very reminiscent of that to me in many ways. I was a big fan of the stuff Adam Page did with that about how he had like all these insecurities and whatever. But then he's this tough ass kick ass cowboy, you know, and, and, and just seeing those vulnerable sides. I mean, I think that's stuff that people can relate to because it feels real because everybody is like that. Everybody is insecure. Everyone has doubts about themselves, whatever. And when they see something on screen that they can relate to, it's more appealing to them, I, I believe. Yeah, I mean, I think that was one of the big things with Sami Zayn that worked for him as well. Mm-hmm. I think for Cody, it works to a degree, too. It, this is a new way to tell stories, and I think it's a good way. I think it's a relatable way. I think it's something that people find endearing. And AW has really latched its teeth onto this angle, as they should, because I think it's nice. maybe the best angle the company's ever done, quite frankly. And I don't think... That's necessarily hyperbole. I think it's that in the Hangman Page and Omega angle. So, right. uh, man, uh, just really tremendous, tremendous stuff. I'm with you. And now going back to London next year, maybe you'll get a chance to be on that show, Matt Hardy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool that they've announced that. It's cool that the show is such a success. Also, I don't want to leave. Uh, Any time I get to see Sting still wrestle, I feel like it's a privilege. I, I love that. I love the fact that Sting was in there with Darby and as uh, CLP, you know, and Swerve. I enjoyed that match too. A lot of a lot of fun moments in that match also. Just it was it was a great show. It was a kick-ass effort from top to bottom. And I really, really enjoyed it. And I just want to say uh, you're welcome 
to Adam Cole and MJF because I'm pretty sure the Hardys were the ones who like softened up Aussie Open so they could get that mm. get that easy W. Mm. Yeah, they dominated them like seven minutes. They got done. Was, well, then we softened them up. You know, yeah. you soften them soft- up. They got to get on that long flight. It's jet lag. You 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 put them right where they wanted them. I feel pretty good about that. Now the are, point of the joke is that we soften soften them up, John. That's that's the joke. I said, we softened them up. Are, are, <laughs> we led to are, their title victory. <laughs> are, are we going to see Jeff Hardy try a kangaroo kick at any point? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure he can do a kangaroo kick. He can do anything. He's crazy. I, I wouldn't he's be surprised. A, he's an enigma. He's that move enough. is over. That move is over big. Uh, yeah, you guys are in Chicago this week. I know Chicago is one of your favorite places to wrestle in front of. What are you looking forward wow. to with All Out? Always great, enthusiastic wrestling fans. Uh, it's just, it's going to be an interesting week, you know, uh, without, you know, dipping or delving into the news. I mean, it seems like a lot of things are going to be changing this week. So it's going to be really interesting to see how, uh, how this week plays out when it's all said and done. I don't know. I mean, today's going to be an interesting day. I think after today, we'll kind of get a good feel of what the future looks like in AEW. Yeah, we will let it play out, as we say. Lots of great wrestling out, fans in Chicago. Lots of big Extreme Life of Matt Hardy fans. Want to give a shout-out to uh, Katie Ludwig, who is uh, one of our biggest fans, and I know she's a big fan of yours. She's done those big cameos with you. She's The last few times you've been in Chicago, she's been wearing her Extreme Life of Matt Hardy shirt front row. She tells me, Matt Hardy, she's going to be front row on the corners both nights for Dynamite and for All Out. So oh, cool. you got to okay. make sure you find your way over to her, okay? Because she's sporting that Extreme Life shirt just for you. Very good. I will. And okay. we thank you so much. Thank you so much. Katie's a big-time supporter of the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. She's left that five single, five single, five-star review. So make sure that you guys are all doing that, too. ExtremeHardy.com. Yes, Here at Matt Hardy Pod, we got lots of love for Katie. Oh, yeah. Lots of love for Katie on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Uh, Matt, we're going to talk about your pal, Wyndham Rotunda here, and uh, I'd be remiss, as is tradition on this podcast, please hit us with that Matt fact. Matt fact, Matt loved Wyndham as a person and performer. I think a lot of people did, and I think that much is very apparent that we learned this past week. Uh, Bray Wyatt, Wyndham Rotunda, he left this world. 36 years old we found out the news just after the passing of terry funk Uh, this happened after we taped last week's episode so it was not something that we had a chance to address last week but uh, when you heard the news matt what was your initial reaction shocked and i heard the news from you uh i I remember you calling you said i hate to be the one to have to break this to you and you told me that he passed and i was just i was shocked it just didn't seem real. I mean, for a couple of days, it, it didn't set in. Even formulating that mad fact earlier today, when I had in my mind I want to do that, it was hard for me to put it in the past tense because I just wanted to say Matt loves uh, Wyndham as a person and a performer, but it's love because he's gone. And he was 36. He was so young. And just once again, it just shows how we can't take any day for granted. Every single day is a gift. Enjoy every day you have. Try and be as present as you can. The people you love, let them know you love them. Spend time with them. Be present in those moments because uh, life is fleeting, man. It sadly is fleeting. And and you never know. Life isn't always fair. I feel like him leaving as much as he loved his family and his kids at 36 years old isn't fair. But it is what it is. And we have to deal with life and we have to remember them for 
the great moments we shared with them. We have to remember them for the lessons we learned from people that, that move on. And we have to remember them for, for the goodness they did and for how they put smiles on people's faces. And, and that's what I'm here to, to talk about Wyndham for today, to, to remind everyone of how he was a great human being or let people know more about the human being Wyndham Rotundo and to remind them of how, how many smiles he puts on face, how many smiles he put on faces uh, doing the whole Bray Wyatt character. I think he's still going to continue to put smiles on people's faces for many years to come uh, as people go back and see his material. I feel like Bray Wyatt is going to be one of those characters that for decades to come, people will look back on and be like, talk about a guy who was cutting edge and ahead of the curve and doing different things with characters and providing something innovative and different kind of like the bruiser Brodies and those people who who had way too short of a run, but now are remembered in such high revere and high regard because of the impact that they made on the pro wrestling industry. What do you remember being your first exposure to Wyndham? Uh, I didn't remember him specifically from the story, but I know after I got to know him better and we started working together, he reminded me of a story when we first met when the original NXT was going on. And there was a night where, uh, you know, it was 2009, 2010, I was hitting it pretty hard there. I was out with some other guys and uh, we were out on the town and we were getting ready to go eat. And I ran into him and some other NXT guys and just talked to him. Oh yeah, guys, we're getting ready to come eat. Come on, come with us, come with us. And he said that I bought him and, whoever he's with that night dinner. And he said, man, like to be a vet, you were like so cool to us. And I thought it was so cool. I said, Oh, that's, that's cool, man. I, I don't even hardly remember that story, but uh, you know, thank you for, for sharing that. So my, my first interaction with him and, and obviously the first time I really spent time around him is when we did that first NXT show. He was on there as Husky Harris, right? Yeah. He was there as Husky Harris. Do you ever remember him being around in the nineties or early two thousands? His dad, Mike Rotunda obviously was a, present figure in WWE at the time? Yeah, I, I, I don't really, because we were there as extras, obviously, uh, whenever IRS was there, but I never remember seeing him with kids or anything. I feel like, you know, guys, when they were on the road, they're on the road a month at a time. It isn't sure. like now where, you know, kids can pop in and travel with you for a weekend or whatever. You know, they, they were on the road for a long, long time. Uh, and then by the time I was full time at WWE, which 97, 98 ish, uh, IRS was gone by then. So, so no, I don't, I don't remember him as a child at all. Do you have any relationship with Mike Rotunda? I do. I mean, we, we, we get along, uh, we, we get along, uh, very well. Uh, I worked with him when he was a producer, when he first came in to WWE, when he came back and he had a job as a producer and I, I enjoyed working with him. He was really easygoing and he really enjoyed getting, the wrestlers input on what they would like to do and what they thought would be kind of like the, the best way to approach a story or approach an angle or whatever it was we were doing, approach a particular match. And, and you know, the, the way we're going to enter the crescendo of the, the finish of the match. Uh, so yeah, I always enjoyed working with him and uh, I, I see him out a lot. He does some stuff with, with Tony Hunter, the same guy that books Jeff and I for a lot of events. So I'll see him out at, at some of those appearances and whatnot. And always friendly, always, always great to run into him and see him. You ever remind you to pay your taxes? Uh, uh, he, he may have, uh, there, there may have been a time when I was doing big money, Matt, and we may have been there and someone may have put him up to doing a, uh, a spot where he was going to make sure to get big money, Matt's tax money. 
Yeah. Big Money Matt probably pays all of his taxes in cash. That's just my guess. <laughs> just my guess. He's not happy about it. I can tell you that. I probably would imagine that he's not happy about that. Uh, so you mentioned Husky Harris and NXT. And we will do a full episode at some point on that season of NXT that you were a part of because it is a very interesting era. Yeah. But Husky Harris, not really the most endearing character even just from the name husky harris as is but yeah what do you he, remember he, about he, he, he was not a fan of that name did he ever he made that clear to you yeah yeah i mean it, once again I, I think it's one of those deals where like what was that where they uh chad gable what they call him shorty g at one time is that right? you know what i mean it, it's just, it just kind of like and, and and i get where vince is coming from trying to embrace something that you're shorter or whatever but it just still, it also kind of puts like just a weird aura around your persona, persona and people saying that over and over again, it makes them think like, well, this guy, he he's Husky. Like, is that just kind of like a rib that he's overweight or like, you know, what, what is going on there? You know, it, it, it's, it's kind of got a weird meaning. Well, and not just that, but it also puts a ceiling on the character that Husky Harris is never going to be a world champion. Shorty G is never going to be a world champion. Yeah, they had Baron Corbin going under the name Happy Corbin for a while. That's never going to be a world champion. You just box yourself in with something like that. And Bray, this is what, 2010, right? That sounded about right. Yeah. So Bray. Well, and, and the thing about it is, too, like Bray was this incredible athlete, mm -hmm. you know, played college sports. Uh, I mean, he was fast as hell. He could, he could move great. He, had, he was very agile. You know, he would do the deal where he would, you know, arch over backwards and like walk on all fours, which is impressive too. You know, it's just like I, I feel like you're, you know, kind of pinning yourself into a corner by calling him Husky Harris. You know, right. people think, oh, well, he's just a Husky guy, he's, you know, can't really do anything cool or whatever. I, I just, I know he wasn't a, a big fan of that name. One time we were talking about doing a segment between Bray Wyatt, and I was just going to say something. Oh, yeah, well, that sounds quite husky. And he's like, oh, can we not say that? I said, of course mm. not. Yeah. And it was so one he of the really did. I wasn't even referencing him. It was just being said, but it was one of those things. Broke him out would say lots of inside jokes and whatnot that just the people who knew, they knew. And it was kind of one of those. I said, yeah, of course not, man. And that, that's kind of where he went into the whole explanation of how he didn't like the name. So, he, like, yeah, was, so he resented it to a degree. Uh, I, I, I just, he, he, he wasn't a fan of it. I, I feel like he thought it was something that, you know, as you said, it kind of, you know, painted him into a corner. You know, kind of boxed himself in. It just it kind of limited his his ceiling to a degree, and yeah. and, and I think too it's just one of those things that like just remind. Like, I I feel like as a pro wrestler, you don't want to remind people of your weaknesses, whatever Definitely. they may be. And and I, I think Vince said, okay, well this guy's thick. He's a little husky. <laughs> That's funny, husky. Let's call him Husky Harris. How about that? You know, and, and it's just I I don't think that's beneficial. I think the more you can like point out and acknowledge the strengths in a character or their physique or their act or their persona, whatever it may be. I, I think that helps the character. I mean, Paul Heyman, who was a master of that in ECW, of course. I mean, not one, he just had him go out. He's a big dude. Look cool. He would go out and choke slam the shit out of people. And that's all he did. And that's what got him over Sandman, the entrance every single time wasn't necessarily the smoothest worker, wasn't the greatest wrestler in the ring. And he protected him. He covered that Paul Heyman always, projected people's strengths and hid their weaknesses where Vince sometimes on the other hand would make you go out and do things that he knew made you feel 
weird or insecure just to kind of like push you out of the limits of being comfortable just to, so you would grow. I, and he said that to me one time. He said, sometimes you have to go out and do things that you're not comfortable with. That's the only way you grow. And there is, there is something to that. But also if you're trying to be the best wrestler you can be and you're trying to, you know, move up the card or you're trying to sell tickets, you're trying to sell merchandise, you also want to be protected too. You don't want people to make you go out and do things that will make you look bad in the fans' eyes. I can't believe that the college football season is here, but alas, it's time to kick off. College football fans, are you ready for week one and the new season? Well, DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking you up with a can't-miss offer to start the season strong. This week, new customers can bet just $5. That's five cinco, five cinco, five dollars on college football and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Anything can happen in college football. Your team could go from unranked to dynasty mode in just a matter of a couple of years. Change comes fast. The only thing that's a lock is the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook, and they are teaming up with us over here at the extreme life of Matt Hardy. Life's more fun when you're in on the action. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code Hardy. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on college football. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code Hardy. The crown is yours. And we're getting in on some of the fun here at the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. All season long, we're going to be doing a King of the Mountain Challenge where Matt is going to be dropping three picks against the spread every single week. This week, Matt Hardy's picks are Tennessee minus 28 versus Virginia, Texas Tech minus 14 versus Wyoming, and Nebraska plus seven versus Minnesota. Matt rules over there now with Nebraska. Seeing if he can revitalize that program. Matt Hardy believes that he can. Maybe you will too. You can get involved with all of the fun by heading on over and downloading the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use that code Hardy. Hey guys, need to call a quick timeout here. Wanted to tell your listeners what I've been telling my listeners over at OU didn't know for a while now about all the cool things happening over at adsfreeshows.com. On the latest edition of The False Finish, Zach Gowan talks about reaching the top of the pro wrestling world against incredible physical odds before issues with immaturity got in his way. It's not a talent issue, it's a maturity issue. We want to see you continue to wrestle, try new characters, become a heel, try new things, find a groove. The door is open, just mature a little bit. But it, it, but the, it was almost fatherly. The way he sat me down and explained to me exactly why I was being released. And I'll always remember that. And I'll always thank Jim Ross every time I see him for that. As Dog and Cassio finished up their latest Ask Dog Anything, they kept the party going for ad-free shows members, answering more questions on a bonus overrun. Uh, we were the main event. Me and Brian Christopher were the main event. Doug was in an um, up there match. Jamie Dundee was in a tag title match, I'm sure. And we just stopped and started playing pool and drinking. Like, that was what we did. We pulled through the median and turned around and just called from a payphone and said, yeah, our car, our car can't make it. That's just a small taste of what we got waiting for you. With four levels to choose from, see for yourself why Ads Free Shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now at adsfreeshows.com. I've always been a big proponent of accentuating positives and hiding negatives in wrestling. Right. And sometimes that 
really can pay off big time, big time. And I think with the Bray Wyatt presentation, which we'll talk about in a little bit, that very much was the case where the positives were accentuated and the weaknesses were hidden for a little bit, at least. When he was on NXT, 23 years old, was there anything that stood out about him to you? You just talked about his athleticism a little bit. Did you see the potential in him for to be to be a big-time star? I mean, <laughs> I would never have guessed he would have evolved into Bray Wyatt at that stage. I mean, because I, I feel like his money, more than anything else, was just in his character and his promos. I mean, that, that's where he succeeded. I thought he was a great athlete. It, it's very obvious to anyone who recognizes athletes that he was a great athlete then, even though he didn't have the typical athletic body, you know, that you would think a pro wrestler would have. It was very obvious he was uh, an athlete, especially, you know, from all the success he had playing sports in college and whatnot. Uh, I, I just remember thinking, like, he came in to wrestling. Uh, his dad helped him, Mike Rotundo, who was a producer there. He got started on NXT, and then he worked through NXT, obviously. He came up to the main roster through the NXT gig and whatever NXT was before then. I know I'm uh, uh, predating it. It was – what was it back then? Uh, FCW. FCW. Mm -hmm. Yeah, FCW. And then, uh, you know, then he came up to WWE and uh, worked in the system there. So one thing I think that was really impressive is that he became such an amazing character and such a deep – layered character without ever venturing out in other places in pro wrestling he was only ever in the wwe system his entire life yeah. his entire run which is 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 something so to say you know because i, I can say I, I can tell it's been beneficial to me when i would go to other places like ring of honor and there would be different fans or when i would work at impact wrestling or you know wwe aw doing indies whatever it may be when i'd go out to music city wrestling back in the night I mean, just working in different places where there's different mindsets and there's there's different ways of attacking uh, the way to build a match or the way to build a promo or the way to build a character. I, I think that's very beneficial, and I think that helps layer you a lot as a performer. It, it, it definitely gives you a lot deeper of a toolbox to dig into. But, but Bray became uh, just an outstanding, unbelievable, and impeccable character with only being in the WWE system. So he, 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 he did that on his own. I think Wyndham would have had so much success in Japan had he gone over there. I think his working style, his character innovations would have done very, very well there had he made that move. It seems like putting some pieces together after his release in 2021 from WWE, right. that there might have been some health issues that came with that. And that might have been a reason why we didn't really see him explore much outside of WWE. I mean, he really didn't do anything, truthfully. And it seems like health might have been a big reason for that. But the Bray Wyatt character is where he made his money. And he conceptualized it after the Husky Harris character was shelved. And in the book NXT, The Future is Now, which is a WWE-produced book, uh, Wyndham talked about the genesis of the Bray Wyatt character. And it came from, you know, there's inspiration. It's very obvious. There's inspiration from cult leaders um, and and different figures that were larger than life. And he said, quote, Bray began with my real life lunacy. I've always been an against all authority kind of child. I was a big fan of Rage Against the Machine. They were a big influence on my life as a child. So when I started working with Dusty Rhodes, I began losing my mind on a very real level. I became obsessed with this character. And he said Dusty was the one that really pushed him 
to take the character and see how it would connect in reality. And he said, quote, when Husky Harris failed on the main roster, he went all in on the Wyatt persona. I was going to jury duty in my hometown and Dusty made me go to jury duty as Bray. Dusty told me, quote, this is the perfect exercise. Become Bray. I literally went to jury duty as Bray Wyatt. I was so immersed in the character that I didn't break once. Obviously, I didn't get picked for jury duty, but I had the white pants, Hawaiian shirt, the whole nine yards. There were no fragments of Husky Harris. Husky Harris was dead and he was to stay dead. I was Bray Wyatt. We were one. When you hear that immersion into creating this character, how does that reflect the real life Wyndham? I mean, once again, it shows that, I mean, you, you have to be a method actor to a degree to succeed in this. I mean, because pro wrestlers, unlike other actors, when, you know, you talk about Christian Bell as Batman, right? Uh, if you're going to see him in an interview, just doing normal things, he's not acting as the Christian Bell that's Batman. He's not talking like that. He's just talking as himself. In pro wrestling, a lot of time the wrestlers and the person are very connected and people think they are one and the same and sometimes they need to be one and the same because you play that character every day every single year every time you're on tv you're in that persona so it's very important to stick to the gig i mean one of the things i was most proud of i mean i i, I feel like i really did it whenever i was matt hardy version one i wanted to be very different from jeff so i really submerged myself in matt hardy version one the sensei of matitude i had a particular uh cadence i would talk in and and anytime i go back and and perform the version one character i always go back to that cadence you know i would really stick to the gig uh when i did broken mat you know it's just like being committed to the bit being committed to the gig and no one was better than that than bray Wyatt. bray Wyatt was a master of that man do you remember the first time you saw the bray Wyatt character yes i feel like the very first time i saw the bray white character was when they started airing his vignettes for him to come up to the main roster okay so that was a little later into his – that's probably about a year and a half into him actually being Bray Wyatt. That was yes. around the first time. I, I, I didn't see a lot of the uh, you know, the FCW slash NXT stuff okay. he did. So I'm going to play a video right now, Matt, of Bray Wyatt's debut promo. I'm pretty sure it's his debut promo from FCW. Mm-hmm. And he's got Eli Cottonwood behind him. This is before he even had Harper and Rowan. Right. I remember when this aired. It went pretty viral online because I had never seen a character like this in wrestling. And I remember even tweeting out that day in 2012, I was like, I think this guy might be a megastar. It was the most unique thing I've ever seen. And I'm curious if you've even seen this promo before. This is a 25-year-old Wyndham Rotunda in what I believe is his debut promo as Bray Wyatt. If you're watching on YouTube, this is going to get cut out for copyright purposes. So if you want to hear it, go on over to our audio stream or look it up on YouTube. Here we go. I was raised in Lafayette, Louisiana. My daddy, he's a captain of his own shrimp boat. (laughs) I hated my daddy. He was a mean old man, my daddy. He took an eight-year-old Bray Wyatt and he pulled him out of school. He didn't think I need to learn with him other kids. <laughs> but then randomly one day, my daddy, his boat, well, caught on fire. And it sunk him down into the daggone sea with it. And I went away. I went away for a while. <laughs> but Bray Wyatt, he told himself how to read. 
And I started out with C Spot Run. And then it was Clifford the Big Red Dog. And then it was the good book mostly after that. <laughs> and I learned. And I learned a lot of things. I learned how this world likes to throw away a little white trash peon like Bray Wyatt. And let me tell you something. I ain't no white trash. And I ain't no peon either. I am better than you all. And I wouldn't want to be that guy. I wouldn't want to be that guy, that first guy that has to get in the ring with me, man. I wouldn't want to be you. Because I am going to take pleasure in watching you burn, man. <laughs> Just like my daddy. <laughs> Come with me. Time is on my Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. I mean, come on. I'm like getting yeah. emotional looking at that. I, I really am. That is that your first uh, time ever seeing that? Yes. Yeah. It's the first time. What I've do you think it. about that? I mean, it was it was tremendous. Especially for a twenty five year old guy who's uh, playing this I'm getting deep emotional. Here. Yeah. That um that's the most captivated I've ever been by a pro wrestling promo. Uh, as as a fan, it was he he had such a way, especially whenever he was performing as Bray Wyatt. He had such a way with with words and emotions and like the small sounds and the small gestures and the mannerisms. It was incredible when it came to that. I mean, he was truly a natural when it came to all that. The most impressive element about that, to me, and this original iteration of the Bray Wyatt character was there was this sense of realism behind it where everything that he just did and talked about it seemed plausible it seemed like that could be someone from the backwoods of Louisiana who was left undisturbed for years mm -hmm. and built their own little following like you see those types of people end up on the news someday, you know? Right. And uh, captivating. That grips you. What What did you like most about that? What What was the most, I, I, I guess, the, the, the most gripping part of that character presentation in that clip? I mean, I, I always thought some of the most compelling stuff he did as Bray Wyatt was the stories he would tell that would lead to the reason his behavior or his actions were going to occur. And and even in this, you know, he came up, his dad on a shrimp boat, I hated my dad. They did this. They thought it was a white trash. They thought it was a peon, but I'm not white trash. I'm not a peon. You know, and he has all this internal anger that, uh, that he is going to take out on whoever he steps into the ring with first. And, and there's a story and a reasoning behind that. And it's obviously 
cult leaderish, but it also you can understand it too. It makes sense why he's saying this and why he's fueled and angry to beat up whoever his first opponent is. And yeah, so I feel he was able to bridge the gap between, you know, like speaking as a cult leader, uh, being fantastical, uh, but also being able to tie it down in reality where it makes sense and you understand his motivation. You know everything about the character in just the one promo. You know everything you need to know. There's so much Dusty Road sprinkled all over that too, that presentation there. And I that's that's what I really loved about it. And it it was truly magic. And I kind of always felt, and I think I said this to you on our previous Bray Wyatt episodes, that the more they started to stray into the supernatural stuff, I started to connect a little less with the character. And I think a lot of that was probably Vince wanting to take that into that direction and Bray being the creative mind that he is being up for the challenge. But there's just something so fantastical about that initial presentation. Uh, did he embrace the supernatural stuff? Was that his idea to your knowledge? What can you share with us about that? I am not certain. Mm -hmm. I, I am not certain if that was Vince's stuff, uh, if those were Vince's idea to kind of take the character in more of that direction. Uh, I mean, he he would roll with it and he would make the most out of it, but I, I never heard him complain about it. Mm -hmm. uh, but then also I didn't hear him say that he disliked it either. You know, so, I mean, he, he would do it, you know, and that's kind of, you know, especially WWE, it's, pro wrestling is in general, you make the most out of whatever opportunity you're given and, and you roll with it. You know, it's kind of what we do as performers, as pro wrestlers. It's kind of like the name of the game. Um, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying, totally, especially with the white white family and, and the cult following. Uh, if you leave it based in reality, it keeps it a lot more grounded in reality for the viewer at home. And I'm sure that's how you felt. Very much so. The, just the supernatural spooky stuff when the, when the projections are coming down on the ring at the WrestleMania you return at. And I don't know, something about it just seemed... A little I'm gonna I'm gonna say the word I hate to say it this way, but I'm gonna say it. It seemed a little WWE ified, if, if that makes sense. Uh, but he maintained his ability to grip you throughout that during that. Why do you think he found so much success despite all of these constant character changes and presentations that he was going through? I mean, first and foremost, he was great at what he did. You know, and he would make the most out of whatever he was given, you know, and I know there's times even like when myself and him were teaming together where Vince said that he saw us one way, but then he kind of put us on TV and booked us another way, you know, which I, I, I think it was just hard for Vince to get a good grasp on like how to utilize characters like Bray, you know, in the late 2010s. I just, I just think it was tough for him to grasp that. That and, and like really what to do to have them connect with the modern wrestling fans that are watching pro wrestling. I, th I think that was tough for Vince. I think that was a, a challenge for Vince. And I, uh, I I feel like he ended up changing and tweaking things a whole lot because things didn't go as Vince envisioned it or they weren't getting – Bray maybe wasn't getting the reactions that Vince was envisioning he was going to get. But I, I don't think that was fair because I don't think Vince put him in the correct scenarios to give him yeah uh, the opportunity to get the – uh, desired reaction, if that makes sense. Where was Wyndon the person when you first started working with him? 
he, when we were first going to work together, and I think I've told this story on our past podcast, like I didn't even know we were going to go into a program together. And he, he's the one that smartened me up as I was there. I was, Jeff had just been hurt. I was just kind of floating there, figuring what to do with me. I had just pitched an angle, which it seemed like they were going to go ahead with, which was going to be like uh, Matt Foolhardy, where I was going to be someone who kind of didn't care about anything, almost very conflicted. There was that point in time where Jeff really was conflicted in real life and they had him playing conflicted on TV. I almost want to do a version of that and, you know, have foolhardy uh, as my adjective, you know, but obviously a play on my last name being Hardy. And we talked about doing something with Elias. I'd even actually done a, a little couple things with him that we were going to go into this angle. And then I put up the TV and I was expecting to do a continuance of that. And then Bray's like, Oh man, did you hear the news? You know, we're starting our deal tonight. I was like, we are? No, I haven't heard the news. <laughs> Thanks for smarting me up, you know. But he, he was really excited for it. And that's something that we had talked about even before I returned to WWE. When I was doing Broken Matt, there were times where we would shoot DMs back and forth with one another about, hey, man, it would be so cool if we got to do something, you know, one day. If we got to, you know, feud against one another, if we got to team up, whatever it may be. And we talked about some of that back and forth. And, you know, we were very, we were both very excited and very happy that we were going to get the opportunity to work together. That's what I wanted to know. So he did express to you prior that he would like to work with you. So he was on top of the broken mat stuff. Yeah, he was very, very familiar with it, obviously, you know, and I, I know there were a lot of, there was a lot of frustration with him uh, with whenever they had to do that segment after the, the thing that happened after the final deletion, right. You know, the deal that raw aired where yeah, they did with the new day with the new day. Mm -hmm. And uh, so much of that was cut and it was like, the 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 vision of it that went on the TV was was Vince's vision and and definitely not how they saw it or what they wanted to to put out there and I know there were a lot of fans that like especially we were so hot at TNA at that time and it had such a cult following the the broken mat brother Nero stuff so he was like oh my god WWE they're copying the found deletion they're doing this they're doing that da, 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 da. it was just one of those things where I mean they they may have even shot that before final deletion aired I, I don't even know when they shot that. But I know that that's kind of like the rep that segment ended up getting afterwards. And like, I know he was very upset with how it was aired and, and the way what was shown and the way it was portrayed because he thought it could have been so much better. As they were going, they were going to do something where I want to say it was uh, Xavier Woods was had a fear and there was the possibility that he might end up joining the white family or the, the white family or, or something along those lines. I, I don't remember the exact ins and outs of the angle, but I know that's something they were talking about doing. But the way it was presented on TV, I just know that. Bray and crew, they weren't extremely happy with it because it wasn't how they saw it being. And it, that was what Vince saw. Vince kind of put that edit on TV. We know he was someone who was very into the arts and not just physical art, but horror movies and yes. that very cinematic presentation of entertainment. Uh, did he ever express that to you? Did you guys have conversations about his influences and that stuff? We, I mean, we did. We we talked about some of like you know our favorite horror movies and genre, and he was he was really big in all that. He was like, I'm sure whenever he, you know, got to do the fiend stuff, uh, he, even like wearing the mask, the real detailed, expensive, cool man. I mean, he he dug all that. He was like really into the backstories and the histories of like horror movies and whatnot. And we we talked about it some. You know, I I, I, I like some horror movies. I'm a pretty generic guy, I would say when it comes to the stuff I like, you know, I'm a big Friday the 13th fan. I loved, uh, you know, I loved Hellraiser 
Pinhead, uh, you know, uh, Michael Myers, uh, you know, the basic stuff, you know, I, I dig all that stuff, but he was very in detail and he was, he was very fond of the hard genre in general. How did that influence his creativity? I mean, I'm sure there's stuff that he would, you know, pick up and draw from in horror movies that he would use in, in Bray Wyatt promos, especially like cult leaders and whatnot. And, and, and I, I will say this, I remember the first time I saw Bray Wyatt, the first thing that came to mind, and obviously this was a big inspiration of his, was Dan Spivey and Waylon Mercy. Yep. I remember whenever the Waylon Mercy character in Vinya came on, Jeff and I, we loved that. We loved that. You, you know what I mean? Uh, we were big fans of that. We loved those vignettes where you had these larger-than-life characters back in the day. And and I remember him doing that. I thought it was really cool that there was a, a nice callback and, and shout-out to Waylon Mercy. Yeah, and then even... When he was doing the Firefly Funhouse yeah. stuff, you got Mercy the Buzzard yes. in there. So a, a good little illusion from that. I think Bray Wyndham was one of those guys, Matt, that his creativity knew no bounds. There were very few restrictions on his creativity. Sometimes that would be for the best, and sometimes I almost think he would present something and maybe it didn't click right away because there was just so much layering and depth to it. Did you ever get a peek into his mind and how it worked and how he tried to go about telling stories and putting work into his character? Yeah, I mean, to a degree. One, one thing that I wish we would have done, uh, and 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 I, I was on board with all this. Uh, I remember we ended up having the writers pitch at events and, and Vince didn't, didn't go for it. After we had done the ultimate deletion and he went into the lake and he was very cool with that lake being cleansed of Sister Abigail, whatever, he returns at WrestleMania. He helps me win the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. We wanted to do a shtick where, and his idea, it was his idea too. He wanted to show up at the Hardy compound like, okay, well, you know, my house has been burned down. There's no more Wyatt family. Uh, now I just need someone to take care of me. So let me come to, uh, you know, Broken Matt's house and become a member of house Hardy. And he said, I can even see it. Like I have a stick and it has like the bandana tie where I only have like a couple of possessions and I carry that there. And he wanted to have a, a monkey boy with him, which he said, like, just if there's a small little acrobat, he's seen people like this in the past. It's just, just like uh, a, a small little guy who's an acrobat who can do all these uh, athletic, cool flips and whatnot. And he wanted him to be dressed up like an, almost like a, like he was a, a bellboy, you know, but he was just like his, his traveling monkey that went with him. And he was some hobo who was walking around and now he needed a place to stay. So then we would take him in uh, at the at, at the Hardy compound and House Hardy. And then we would make him earn his way and, and teach him life lessons by Senior Benjamin would have him doing stuff. And uh, King Maxwell would be out there bossing him around and, and whatnot. And, and this was like Bray's idea initially. And I was like, yeah, man, I'm totally cool with that. And I, I just feel like Vince thought there was too much humor in it because Vince said like you two together can be something really, really special, but you have to do it the right way. You have to do it the right way. He said, you guys are, aren't just wrestlers, you're attractions, you're attractions and you have to, you have to do it the right way. And I think we needed more vignettes. He would like stick us out there and we wrestled in like three or four minute matches every single week. I guess he just needed to fill content for raw, but like I felt like that normalized us more than anything else. Where if you wanted us to be attractions, let us do these vignettes. And when we wrestle, it seems like a, a special occurrence. But, you know, once again, Vince is the boss. He's going to do what he wants to do, and it's his company. Did Bray feel those creative frustrations? 
Oh yeah. I mean, there, there was always, there was, I mean, during, throughout that whole thing, there was, you know, creative frustrations. And then we would just literally like make the most of it. You know, we would take whatever we're given and we would rock and roll with it. As I'd said famously during the ultimate deletion, I remember they were checking in with Vince all night. And then finally about 2 AM, you know, Vince contacted Michael Hayes and Ed Kosky and said, no, no, I want this. Da, 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 da. I don't need any of this bullshit hokey wrestling in there and none of these big spots and then like you know one of our big hot spots that we were going to do where i was going to do the leg drop through two tables and he was going to move like they cut that out and whatnot and just they they wanted some more hokey stuff and that's i remember the first thing we shot everybody said we got to make vince happy this is what vince sees this is his vision was where we did the deal at the uh the land of obsolete men where there's those graves and I'm like hiding behind them and then they have Bray running all over and I'm like disappearing behind them. And then I do that funny runoff. You know, they just wanted it very Benny Hillish is how that was described that particular scene. And that is something Vince wanted some of that. He said, this needs to be like Gaga, like over the top Gaga. Uh, and it is what it is. You know, we, we thought we could go in there and do some really cool cinematic stuff. We could have some good drama in it too. And then have like this finish where we ultimately achieved our goal of like getting him into the lake and cleansing him of the evil that possessed him. It is all out week and there are still tickets available for AEW's big fall kickoff extravaganza. We want to help you get there or anywhere you want to go to any event out there with our friends over at game time. You see, Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. And game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, theater, wrestling events, and anything beyond near you. My absolute favorite thing about game time, and this is a shoot, my friends, is that I know when I get that temptation to pick up a ticket at the last minute, usually it's a Bruce Springsteen ticket, I can just pull up the app, I can take a look at the tickets that are most available via the all-in pricing. I know exactly what I'm going to be paying with no taxes, no fees hidden from me. They're all up front. I see the view from my seat, and I enter that promo code HARDY to get $20 off my first purchase. You can buy those tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps, you're set. They're sent directly to your phone, so you never have to go digging through your email. There's no paper involved. It is so freaking convenient they are one of our favorite sponsors here at the extreme life of matt hardy and we want to help you get to the nearest event to you at the most convenient time so here's what you got to do download the game time app create an account use code hardy for 20 dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem code hardy for 20 dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed I don't feel like we got to see enough of Wyndham's sense of humor projected through the Bray Wyatt character. We saw a little bit of it with the Firefly Funhouse stuff, but he uh -huh. really strikes me as someone who really did have quite the self-aware sense of humor. Can you attest to that? Oh, oh yeah. He, he was a hilarious dude. Very, very. He, he had great comedic timing, too. He was, he was really, really funny, yeah. It just feels like we could have gotten more of that within him and, like, this presentation that you're talking about there with the house hardy vignettes would have been yeah, a well, way to showcase that it, it, it would have been it, it would have been great he would have been great in, in, and i think that would have gotten us both over so much more i mean because what what got us over on tna programming <clears throat> wasn't the in-ring stuff 
it was the stuff that we shot on the compound and the character work wherever we were the character work that we did that's that's what got the whole broken mat brother nero stuff over the the character work was everything in that i mean ultimately all that stuff started going viral you know online and that's that's where we really became successful with all of it. how did he take to the criticisms from vince mcmahon in particular but outside criticisms as well either of him personally or of the work that he was doing i mean i think the vince stuff was tough i know i've talked about this him and vince had a very interesting relationship uh almost like a father-son relationship in some ways and and i feel like that probably came to be because he'd only known the WWE system so like vince was the only boss he'd ever had so i feel like there's times where vince shows you all this love but then if you do something that he doesn't necessarily like or he disagrees with and he he's really tough on you like a father in many ways and i feel like they more than a lot of wrestlers that work underneath vince they had like this very weird almost like father-son relationship and if vince was mad at him he'd be very sad and like disappointed like oh my god it didn't make him happy or whatever and there'd be times at him where he'd just be totally upset with him but there were also times where vince treat him so good and he wanted to move him into the best spot possible and he would love his stuff and he would call him a genius and say that was brilliant and this was great and it was just it was interesting they they had it feels like their relationship was deeper than just like boss employee it was almost like personal where he was kind of like a father figure to bray in some ways and if bray made him happy it made bray happy and if bray made him upset it made bray disappointed whether directly said to you or not did you get the idea that vince had an appreciation for bray's talent and his creative forward thinkingness yeah no absolutely he 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 did he he definitely greatly appreciated his depth when it came to creativity i have i have no doubts about that it's interesting just given how many times Wyndham was forced to reinvent. I mean, he had to reinvent the Bray character five, six times. Sometimes things evolve naturally, but other times you're almost forced into a corner to do that. And we'll talk about that more in a second here. But while you guys are running together, did you guys travel together? We did. There were times where we traveled together. Yeah. What did you learn about him from your time traveling with him? Uh, he was a kind guy, generous guy. I remember there was a one night where we were traveling together and we were eating somewhere in a town. I remember Enzo came in and Enzo was talking about some of his crazy adventures he was going to do, whatever. And I remember Bray was sitting him down and Bray had a an interesting relationship with Enzo because I know he was at FCW or NXT, whatever it was at the time before Enzo. And Enzo's like, oh yeah, you know, Wyndham's always taking care of me. He's kind of like, you know, he's my big brother here when it comes to, to WWE. And, like, I remember how Wyndham was giving Enzo some advice. He said, look, he said, you need to not do this because there's this and these girls. I know you're kind of going girl crazy. Like, I would recommend not doing this, and I would pull back a little bit or this, that, and the other thing. And it was so cool for me to see their relationship as, like, Wyndham was, like, legitimately giving him advice or what he thought would be in his best interest. So I, I think he was a, a very caring human being when it when it came to that as well. That's been something that everyone has echoed, that he really was 
somebody and i don't think a lot of people knew this prior to his passing that he really was somebody who took care of everyone and he looked out for everyone i think ali mustafa ali uh mentioned on social media that you and bray were put on a 205 live tour yeah, yeah. and yeah can you share that story with with everyone yeah i remember, I remember they were giving us a booking for that week and and they said vince uh this match the 205 live uh houses are down a little bit so we want to help them out we want to give them a big match so we're going to put uh you know the woken mat versus bray white match on these shows they helped sell some tickets we're like what on 205 live it was just so random and so different but i remember we did we did that and we were in smaller venues and they ended up all being pretty full and they were pretty fun and the crowd was suitly you know the crowd was like right on top of you and they were all enthusiastic and into the matches and i, I remember I, I look back at photos at that time there's a thing where i'm back there like meditating and i'm telling you know all these uh cruiserweights what they need to do to like achieve uh you know to to achieve their zen and you know how, how to how to pull out the best of themselves and they're like all looking at me like with these crazy looks and i remember that was a picture that we did during that 205 live tour uh, but it was enjoyable and it was cool because we just sat back there and i remember you know guys were coming back through i, I remember enzo came back to brace like hey will you guys watch the match and like let, let me know what i can do better or let me know what you think about it whatever uh but yeah we, we were happy to do it and we enjoyed it he was very much like a, a go with the flow tape guy he didn't have he didn't did not have an ego. We're like, no, we're above this, you know, or this is beneath us, you know. He, he did not have an ego at all. We were very happy to be there, and uh, we were going to go to these, you know, two hundred five live shows and uh, have the best match we could, and, and hopefully help sell some tickets and, and just make it better for everyone. Yeah, that's what Ali said. That he went up to him and kind of half heartedly was like, "Yeah, hey, sorry, man, you got dragged on this." And Wyndham was like. Nah, man, that's the wrestling business. We take care of each other. We try to put each other over. We give each other the rub and look out for one another. And yeah. It seems like that kind of encompasses his character, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, it does. And um, it, it's uh, it, even looking back now, I mean, there were so many times where when we'd work together and he talked about doing stuff with his brother at some point, and it, it's, it's, it's very heartbreaking that I know they were going to get that opportunity to have Bray, uh, to have Wyndham working with Bo. You know, him and Taylor were gonna actually work together in a program and do stuff. And I know they'd want to do that for the longest time. So that's that's very sad when I think that that didn't materialize like it was gonna be. And I, I feel so bad for him, uh, Taylor. I mean, cause they, they, were, they were really close. They were great brothers and, and having a brother, I know how strong that brotherly bond is. And, and I, I really hate that for Taylor. So that was something that they made apparent that they did want to work together for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they definitely want to do something. I, I remember when we had that small run uh, B team versus the leaders of worlds, they, they enjoyed that. I mean, that was fun that we were in there working together. You know, the two brothers were getting the opportunity to work together because it, it is one of those things like, you know, as much as I think brothers might want to be a, a tag team and do their thing there, there, there is a part of you. And I can say this from experience, speaking from experience that you do also have dreams of like wrestling there you know on on the big show on the big dance and and uh and having fun with it and i'm, I'm glad they got that opportunity to at least do that when we did v team versus the leaders of worlds yeah for the ad free shows bonus show this month you and i are going to watch the match where you and bray won the raw tag team championships in saudi arabia from the good brother or from the bar rather and right. we'll be watching that back so if you're an ad free show subscriber you're going to get a chance to hang out with us 
for that. I look forward to talking a little more about the deleters of world stuff. We did a whole episode on the deleters of worlds. Go check our archives for that because uh, I do think that is kind of one of our hidden gem episodes on the extreme life of Matt Hardy. Some of the insight you gave there is really great. Uh, over the years, what was your relationship like with him after that partnership came to an end? Uh, I mean, we, we stayed in, in contact. I actually, I know I told you, I was looking back through at some of the texts we'd exchange, and, and there's one thing that I wanted to to look real quick um, and, and read about. So we, we would constantly check on with each other about, like, how, how are our kids? You know, how are the kids doing? How's everything else? He was a big a big advocate of being a dad, you know, and obviously I'm as well. So that was something that was a, uh, a very, very much a shared love that me and him and I both had and we had. And I remember uh, in some of our texts, we were talking about stuff. And I remember he, uh, he just said, he said, come on, man. He said, let's get together and let's take the families on a trip. He said, we got to do it. Hoot. You know, as you know, hoot is a word he would use a lot. That was his substitute for brother or, what it may be, someone who's close to him, someone in the wrestling business. And uh, I remember he talked about, too, that he had land out where they, they bought a place and they had plenty of land. He said, you need to bring your kids out and we'll let the kids play. And, you know, they can they can go nuts. And, you know, me, me and the wife and you and the wife will go do something, whatever. So we'll have a blast. Like, that's something that he would text me about pretty regular. And, like, we were wanting to do at some point. But, unfortunately, we never got to do that. I mean, life is crazy and life is busy and it's just another reminder that uh anytime you have opportunities to to take time to spend people with people you love like you need to do it because you never know man life is fleeting you never know what tomorrow holds for for any of us i know Revy posted that video of maxwell from when he was a little younger and he was talking about all the bray wyatt toys that he had and how he was his favorite wrestler have you had a chance to talk about this with Maxwell? Yeah. Uh, Maxwell doesn't remember that. He remembers Bray Wyatt. He doesn't remember it very vividly uh, as he was younger then, but he knew it was, and he was very shocked whenever he heard that he had uh, passed away. I, I really think Maxwell's just maybe with you too. They're just kind of getting to the point where they kind of are starting to comprehend what death is. I, th I think it takes a while to, to, to comprehend it. Um, you know, that is permanent, that someone you know and you love or spent time with or appreciate is someone you want to see again, like that they're gone and you don't get to see them anymore. Um, but I, I'll never forget that day whenever we came out and we did that. Now, Wolfie was super small then, baby. He was baby Wolfie, bald baby Wolfie. And Maxwell was big enough where he could appreciate what was going on. And I'll never forget when we were at my house earlier that day, they were down in the arcade and, uh, Wyndham, who loved kids anyway, was playing video games with Maxwell and they were doing different stuff and they were out and about having a good time. And I remember there was that lantern and he uh, he left the lantern. And he said, hey, give this to Maxwell. Say my gift to him for playing games with me in the arcade yesterday, whatever. And he left the lantern. And I remember there was a long time where Maxwell thought that was the coolest thing. He ever said, oh, man, this wrestler, he's so cool and he's kind of creepy and spooky dooky. He said he gave me his lantern. And then we went to a live event where I want to say maybe we wrestled uh, FTR, the revival then. And afterwards, uh, they were talking trash to to uh, to Maxwell, who was out there with my wife, with Rebby. And then uh, at the very end, he came in the ring, and uh, he 
deleted with us and we were holding him and then backstage you can see there's a photo and bray had gloves that he was wearing then he took them off and gave him the maxwell maxwell thought that was the coolest thing ever that's awesome definitely speaks to his character and i think you could see the love that he had for his family and that whenever you get a tragedy like this that is just always the first thing that comes to mind this is the family that's left behind and how those young kids have to grow up now and you know jojo she's she's a young wife too and and how she has to grow up and just really seemed like life was kind of getting together for him and what was the most shocking part about it was matt you and i had been talking a few weeks ago and then sean ross sap reported about it we had gotten a pretty positive health update on him relatively recently and i think that's what made it all the more shocking yeah i mean it, it was it when when you told me I was shocked, blown away, yeah, blown away. It it, it just uh, it, it it took me moments to grasp that that was real. You know, at first it sounds like April Fool's joke, and it's just so crazy that that, that happened. Especially, you know, I just talked to his dad uh, a, a couple weeks before, and he gave me an extremely positive health update on him, which it's just heartbreaking, man. What is the most important thing that Wyndham Rotunda taught you about life or the industry or whatever it may be from your time knowing him? I think just through the things we talked about where, you know, he had a couple kids from his first marriage and then he has kids with Jojo. Uh, just once again, reinforcing, reinforcing to me, how important the family element is and how important it is to love your kids to forge your children to 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 shape these young human beings into good quality people and spend as much time as you can with them and spend as much time as you can with your friends and your friends kids and 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 really build that build that brotherhood of community he was so big on that. And, and I feel like, and, and just looking back in hindsight, I just wish there'd have been a time where, you know, maybe when he was away for a while, whatever, I just said, you guys come up to the Hardy compound and let's hang out for a weekend or, or whatever, bring the kids, you know, just that constant reminder of how important the little things are spending time with family, spending times with friends and family, uh, building community. He was big on that. And I, I think that is what, is more reinforced because of all this than anything else. I feel like that's probably what I would consider the greatest lesson that he really rubbed off on me. What's one thing that the world should know about Wyndham that maybe we didn't? Uh, th that he was just the sweetest, most caring guy that you could ever imagine. He, 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 he did not have an ego. He wanted what's best for everyone. You see some guy who's playing a character like that, like this cult leader, you never know. It could be sketchy. He could, you know, could be a shady character, whatever, but he was just the biggest sweetheart and he wanted the best for everyone. And as crazy as this sounds, he was just a very innocent person. I feel like he, he wasn't a bad guy in any capacity. He was a, a, a true sweetheart who wanted what was best for everyone. Pretty soft-spoken in person, I'd imagine. Yeah, he was. Uh, he, he had a great laugh, and you hear that story over and over.
in there, right? Just anytime you'd hear that great that 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 great laugh, and it would be a big hug the first time you've seen him in a while, uh, and it was really it was infectious, man. His laugh was infectious. I say that just because, especially even in this most recent iteration of him where he was much more vulnerable and he was much more aligned with his personal self, he was still pretty soft-spoken. And yet someone who was soft-spoken can emote that larger-than-life energy that he did as the Bray Wyatt character. That is a true testament to how gifted and special they were as a performer. And I I think he's one of the most memorable characters of all time what's his legacy when you look back on him i mean he 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 achieved a breakthrough character in wwe you know and made it work uh it it was absolutely there were a few occasions where he was absolutely white hot you know at different times and he battled battles as far as the creative process uh as far as it went as far as it would go you know but he he always worked hard and if he had to reinvent himself he would reinvent himself I remember the very first time I saw the Firefly Funhouse and the shit he was doing. I, I thought I thought it was great. I, I dug I dug it the most, and it was great that he would have that fun, comical persona, and then it would transform into the killer, the fiend, which was very serious and like straight to business. Uh, he, he 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 was great with that. The first time I ever saw the Firefly Funhouse, the first vignette, I remember saying to myself, "I'm like, what is what are we doing?" Because I thought the the first time you see it. I thought he was give, being given the Shorty G treatment. Like, I thought that's what was happening. Vince dictated something, and it was just like, this is how Vince sees him. And then mm-hmm. it was the second vignette where you first saw the glimmer of something evil underneath it. And I was like, ah, there's that creative genius. There's that guy who's always thinking one step ahead. And that's kind of how I'll always remember Bray Wyatt as someone who truly was forward-thinking, groundbreaking, and one of the most memorable characters of my lifetime as a a fan. You can't really look back, and I don't mean this as criticism to him, Matt, but there aren't a lot of Bray Wyatt matches that you look at and you're like, that's an all-time classic. There's a few really, really good ones, but you're not going to be like, oh, that's an all-time classic match. But you remember his character, and that supersedes anything he ever did in the ring. I think that's an amazing legacy to have. I mean, that's one of the first things I said. You know, it's not... It wasn't about the match he was going to have. I mean, his his money was in his character. His his money was in his personality. Is there anything else you'd like to add about Wyndham? Uh, I I do love that so many people have been sharing positive memories, um, talking about just how incredibly gifted he was as a performer, how much of a mark he left on so, so many people. Uh, I mean, one thing I would like to do is just remind people, like, let's try and do that in the present, guys. I, I hate that we just end up doing it when, when people pass away and they move on and we know we don't get to, to see them anymore. Or they're not here. I just He was doing great things as Bray Wyatt, and uh, I, I think we need to, to give him props, yeah. you know, why he was doing that. I, I would love for everyone now to give the current pro wrestlers who are doing good stuff, especially the ones who – you know, are good people. Like, let's give them props, man. Let's let's recognize them while they're here, while while they can while they can hear it, while they can see it, so they can take it in and and they can feel like they've accomplished something. You know, let's just try and be better as as human beings and like really 
uh, acknowledge and respect people that are, are busting their ass for us. And this goes for for any industry. This goes for any human being. You know, when they're a, a good human and they're special and and they're doing things that you know inspire us and motivate us and uh, and, and drive us to be better. Like, let's acknowledge the gift that those people are giving us. You always do an amazing job whenever we do one of these tribute shows, but I hate the fact that we've had to do in just our two years together here, Matt, that we've had to do so many tribute shows. I hate that so much. It's just brutal that it's one hit after another in such tragic circumstances that we just lost one of the most influential performers ever in an industry that we love and uh i'm with you where it just it's very refreshing to hear just non-stop positivity about him but still nonetheless a sad situation but i i hope that anyone who listened to this took away great tribute and a great memori- memorialization of bray and uh we send our best here on behalf of the extreme life of matt hardy to his entire extended family and any of the friends who are affected by this tragic tragic loss it's unfortunately part of life we try to move on but right yeah i don't really know what else more to say there on that matt but you know i appreciate you pal every single week here on this podcast and your family i love hearing about your family i love hearing that maxwell's a third grader officially now yeah that's the good stuff. That's the good news. Gothic babies taking off everywhere. Rebby's got a new project every other week. It feels like. Yeah, got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, she uh, she does stay busy, no doubt. She's doing good for herself. I saw there was a big bubble party at your house. Yeah, it's a, a new product endorsement that both her and I are going to be doing a little bit. I drink. Okay. All right. Well. If you'd like to get your product endorsed by Matt Hardy, head on over to AdvertiseWithHardy.com. Get it out in front of thousands of listeners and viewers every single week on the extreme life of Matt Hardy. This has been a really special episode, Matt. I appreciate your vulnerability and your time. And we're going to be back here next week on the extreme life of Matt Hardy, back to business as usual. Anything else you'd like to say? I just want to say to close it out, um, Wyndham, I love you, man. I miss you. And uh, I hope I get to to interact with you one day down the road, man. Uh, I, I hope our our essences, you know, one day get to interact, man. And uh, my uh, my thoughts are with your family, your kids, and uh, we'll see you down the road, man. The words have been spoken. We'll see you next time, right here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy.